0: Good, everybody. Welcome to a special Wednesday edition of the Gold Standard Podcast. I am Rob Stas guerrera and with me, as always, on this show, the one, the only, Levin Black. Levin, do you feel weird to be doing this on a Wednesday? <laughs> uh, No.
1: Not, honestly, like, I talk to you when I talk to you. It's not like we didn't have a whole bunch of instant reacts where we weren't recording on Thursday anyways.
0: Boy, you just poo-poo everything, don't you? No, Couldn't I, just I, I yeah. speak the honest,
1: I don't sit and
0: create a fake, ooh, this is so special. If you're new to the show, this <laughs> is where you get the hot takes, mostly from me, and the cold truth, mostly from the human wet blanket, as you've already seen, 11 Black. Uh, before we get rolling, I want to remind everybody, please rate, review, and follow the Diners Nation Podcast Network. We are so appreciative of every single rating and review that you give, which leads me to this, five stars from Arwen the Fox. Rob Stats, Guerrera, and Levin Black are the gold standard for 49ers news and analysis. Love that. Usually, I'm a reviewer lurker and can rarely be bothered to post a review, but Rob Stats, Guerrera, and Levin Black are, all caps, the best for 49ers news, notes, and analysis. And just to be transparent, I'm not even a 49ers fan, so that's saying something. As a football junkie currently feeling incredibly empty about the deadest part of the season, I've consumed quite a few podcasts for years, but Stats and Levin stand out from the rest. They're the only reason I tune into Niners Nation. You can catch Stats and Levin every Thursday here at Niners Nation for the Gold Standard Podcast. Then he goes into a lengthy explanation of why he likes both me and you. Me, mostly for my fantastic voice and good looks. You, mostly because you partner with me. Yeah, I'm sure that's what it actually says. Well, you'll never know, will you? Um, (laughs) One that's probably our best review. Two, uh, (laughs) love the name. I don't understand. Is the name a reference to something?
1: I would have to see the spelling. Arwen the fox just sounds cool. Is what I was getting at, but it could be spelled Arwen, as in the Lord of the Rings. Arwen. A R W E N. Yeah, that would be Arwen from Lord of the Rings, the one that uh, the elf that stays behind and
0: marries Aragorn. There you go. Uh, We do appreciate the review. It's way too long for me to read, but I do appreciate it. I have read it. I just can't read the entire thing on the show, but thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Please, please, please keep them coming. All right. Uh, There's been some news this week. Julian Edelman's taking shots at Jimmy Garoppolo, but really the thing I want to talk about is training camp because that is what's coming up, Levin. Uh, If you want to mention the the Edelman thing, you can, but I I want to focus mostly on training camp because that's the next big thing. July 26th is when the Niners open camp, and there's a lot of storylines with this team and not just Trey Lance storyline. So I thought the subject of today's show should be the non-Trey Lance storylines that we're looking forward to at training camp, but I will give you the floor. If you want to mention the Julian Edelman thing, you haven't had a chance to opine on it. So I leave the door open for that. But if not, we can get into the training camp stuff.
1: I'll just make a quick point. Cause I've seen people uh, out there saying that, you know, he proved that he's not a, you know, guy that won't play through injuries with the 49ers. You know, both sides can be true. It can be true that he was a bad teammate, in new England refused to play through a non-throwing shoulder injury and hurt that team's chances, That was a Super Bowl contender. And at the same time, once he was the guy somewhere, he showed as much grit as anybody playing through injuries. Both of those can be true. And that's all I need to say because people are acting like it it can't be both. No, it can be. It's not he has to be gritty or he's a bad teammate and won't play through injury. No, it can be both.
0: And what's the big difference between Patriots' Jimmy Garoppolo and 49ers' Jimmy Garoppolo? Oh, about $25 million per year. It's a lot easier to be willing to play through injuries when you've already secured the bag. And I think that that needs to be pointed out. I said yesterday with Jason Aponte, I don't blame Jimmy Garoppolo for not wanting to risk injury before he got paid. It makes a huge difference. I don't personally align with that
1: mentality, but... I I, I see his thought process. I just don't personally agree with that thought process. You know, ooh, so you only made, you know, 15, 20 million in your entire career instead of 150 million. I I think you'll be okay, you know, if the catastrophic thing happened to him playing through that injury. But either way, I, I can see both sides to it. I do agree that his biggest issue in the whole thing was that he didn't say no until Sunday. And that's straight up bullshit.
0: Yeah, that, I think, was the issue that Martellus Bennett had with it, too, was that not necessarily that he made a business decision. The timing of that decision is what had Bennett fired up. And that I can agree with, right? Like, if you know you're not going to go, then don't practice all week, taking, you know, the ones, snaps with the ones. Let the team know so they can adjust. That, I think, is a fair criticism. And the one point I made on Twitter about this whole thing is, This might be
1: as big of a factor as anything for why Jimmy Garoppolo ended up in San Francisco rather than taking over in New England. If Jimmy Garoppolo already destroyed his chances in that locker room and was not well-received by a lot of the veterans in that locker room, there's no way Bill Belichick could stick with him and move Brady. So I think that probably played a role in Garoppolo getting moved.
0: Maybe. I think the bigger role was Tom Brady saying, Get rid of this guy. I don't want any competition whatsoever. This is my team and Robert Kraft.
1: Robert Kraft. Yeah, it was the biggest reason. But I do think that this played a role that you can't replace the greatest of all time who's still wanting to play with a guy that's burned the bridge to all the veterans.
0: It's not nothing. I agree with you. That is definitely a factor. All right. Let's transition now to our top training camp storylines. I have one, two, three, four are our top non-Trey Lance storylines, I should say. How many do you have?
1: I wrote down seven. I mean, some of these are storylines that should be mentioned, things that I'll be watching for, but not necessarily the biggest things in the world. There were other smaller ones, but I have seven that I think are things that could sway the way the season goes.
0: The first one for me is just the whole Debo contract situation. Because training camp, I feel like, is really the deadline for if something is going to get done. I think something is going to get done. I'm not sold that it's going to be like a five, six-year deal. It may just be a one or two-year, like a shorter-term thing. But one way or another, he's not playing this year for the, what is it, $4 million that he is supposed to earn. That's going to get fixed one way or another. Yeah,
1: so I tied that into the overall wide receiver carousel because I think there's so many different storylines there, not just Debo's contract and whether he shows up on time for training camp, but who's the main target. Who's the guy that we're seeing or hearing that Trey Lance is favoring. And, you know, is it Ayuk that he turns to when things break down? Uh, Who's going to be the third receiver? You know, does Jennings stay in that role or does somebody else step up? And I think an underrated one is the Ray Ray, versus gray competition because i think there will be a big competition there for who is the deep threat in this offense i think all of that kind of ties into the wide receiver position will probably be very very heavily scrutinized throughout training camp
0: yeah i actually had Ayuk as a whole separate storyline i agree there's a lot of tentacles to the 49ers wide receivers with me and Ayuk, i want to see like does he have sort of like spring in his step, right? Does he come in fired up, ready to go blocking people, like showing the effort that supposedly he did not show last year. Kyle has been complimentary of IUC's offseason already this year. He has pointed him out as somebody that has done whatever they wanted him to do. So I want to see, cause I agree with you. Like I, could see a world where Ayuk becomes the number one wide receiver because of all this chemistry that he has already built with Trey Lance.
1: I mean, I, I think it's worth noting that Ayuk seems to have taken over the leadership role among the wide receivers. He's organized workouts. He's the one that's been making sure he's with Trey Lance. You know, I, I know he's been with Jennings at times, whereas devo has been off doing his own thing in Miami. Now, once they come and get in, get into practice and get on the field. Things could change, but it certainly seems like Ayuk has been the one that kind of stepped up and became the leader of that whole group.
0: I wouldn't mind a little friendly competition between Debo and Ayuk, both trying to be like the top dog. I think that's good. Now that it's something that Trey is going to have to manage for sure, because both guys are going to be complaining about targets and this, that, and the other thing. But that's every good starting quarterback with with two good wide receivers. But I wouldn't. I would like it if Ayuk didn't just walk in and and like seed the top spot to Debo. I want him to say, you know, you know what? I am the best wide receiver on this team and I'm going to prove it.
1: Yeah, I agree. And I I think he will be the top receiver. been saying that for a long time now. That's I thought true. That going into last year and I was wrong on that one. But I do think that with the Trey Lance swap, and I know we're trying not to do Trey Lance topics, but I do think that that's going to play a very, very, very big factor in what happens between Ayuk and Debo.
0: What is your top training camp storyline?
1: I I think it has to be Hufanga. Mm. He has to succeed, period. They did not come and get any backups. They did not hedge their bets whatsoever. To me, it's he's got to succeed or he could sink that entire defense. Because if that defense is only mediocre because it has an Achilles heel, then this team's not going to be going too many places. I, I, I don't. I don't think you can have a you know middle of the pack defense. I don't think the defense can get worse than it was last year when it was ninth in points allowed, and, and the team ended up making the playoffs. And I have flashbacks to the whole Adrian Colbert situation, which mm. I like Adrian Colbert. I still follow him on Twitter. I think he's a great, great <laughs> yeah. guy. Seems like a really good, wholesome guy on uh, Twitter at least. But, you know, they went into that season counting on him in his second year because he flashed as a rookie and he did not do well. Uh, he took poor angles. You know, he, he seemed to relapse a little bit from the high athleticism, crazy great coverage that he showed as a rookie. And I'm scared Hufanga could do that. Now, the team and especially Jimmy Ward seem to be behind him. But I do think that is the biggest non tray Lance storyline going into training camp because if he does not succeed, if he is poor, poor in that role or even average in that role, it could truly be an Achilles heel to this entire defense.
0: I had the secondary as one of my topics as well, and Hufango was certainly in there because he's got to step up. Like, his coverage skills have to be better than they were last year if he's going to be the every-down starter. They just have to be, like... We know that speed is not his strong suit, and that's a huge problem if you're a safety. I'm not saying that there's no possible way he can do it, but it means your instincts have to be right, and there's a lot of other areas that you have to be good at to sort of just make up for the fact that you're not going to be able to recover when you get beat or if you take a false step or something like that. I'm not sure
1: he can do it. Let me throw this out there. I've had this thought in the back of my mind. Ever since it became clear, they are turning to Hufanga. I wonder if the defense will change a little bit. I could see them sinking Hufanga down more and making him less of a safety back there. Because normally this defense plays a lot of too deep safeties. I could see him sinking down more and having Jimmy Ward just be the center field back there. And having Hufanga come maybe take the tight end more. Or just cover up that middle intermediate route more and kind of simplify his role almost. To where he's not so much the safety net of this defense and he's more utilizing his skills as almost like a mini linebacker and coming down. I could see them changing how the safeties are played.
0: I think they have to if that's if he's going to be out on the field for a significant amount of time. Because we talk about it on offense with quarterbacks all the time about how you tailor your scheme to fit the strengths of your players like Jimmy Garoppolo. 49ers don't throw the ball deep a ton because that's not what he's good at. Same thing applies to defense, and I think that's what they should do. I've been saying that there's a role for Hufanga on this team in that spot, and I think that there is. I would love to see that because he does strike me as a guy who, like, he's just in the middle of stuff all the time. He has a nose for the football. I think he is a an instinctual-type player. Um, I, there's a spot for him here. He, he strikes me as one of the few guys in the secondary that can make a game changing type of play. Now it could be bad. Maybe, maybe it's bad because he makes a mistake, but like, I don't know. I, I, I like him. I want him to be a part of this defense, but I agree with you. If they're going to use him significantly, it can't be just deep in coverage. I like him up in the thick of stuff near the line of scrimmage or closer to it.
1: Right. It would be interesting to see how they play him more on like third down, an obvious passing situation. Early downs, you know, Tart would come forward sometimes too. Jimmy Ward would come down on early downs. You know, that wasn't uncommon, but I'm talking about, you know, third and six plus. What do they do with Hufanga? Does he stay on the field or do they bring in somebody that's just highly athletic to utilize on third and longs? Or do they completely change how they normally use the safeties on third and longs to where, because Tart, could chase somebody down and he did many times tart had great speed you're not getting that from Hufanga so what's the point of having him back there deep he's not going to probably get there in time and worse yet you might count on him you know covering the over the top and he gets run right past you know we'll see could also improve in coverage could be a completely different player in coverage this year and have improved drastically there from his rookie year
0: I think it also depends on how the 49ers corners play and who's playing right If it's Ward and Jason Verrett, then you're like, okay, I feel pretty good about those two guys on the outside. So maybe we only need to have one safety in the middle of the field. And we trust those three guys to handle their business. Again, we don't know if Jason Verrett's going to last for any significant amount of time, but I'm just saying like that all goes into the stew. There are a ton of questions when it comes to the secondary, like how good does Ward look? And one of the I think nice parts about this roster is like the Niners receivers are so good that I feel like you're going to get an accurate picture of how good Ward is because he's going against Debo and Ayuk and Jennings and guys like that. He's not going up against scrubs here. So if Ward looks good in training camp, I feel like that's going to translate when they actually play other people.
1: Yeah, it does seem like this is going to be very much, uh, you know, an, To steal a line from a former coach, iron sharpens iron situation where you got a great defense and a great offense going at it in
0: practice every day. So I had Ward as uh, one of the tentacles there in the secondary. And I also want to know, like, how's Ambry Thomas look? He, for all his warts, I don't think there is anyone that would deny that he looked better at the end of the season than he did when he first came in he was picked fairly high for this 49ers regime. This isn't like a sixth round guy here that they're banking on. So he had been away from football because of COVID. Is it possible that that development continues and he comes into camp and he looks really good? Like, you know, a serviceable player, I'm not saying he's going to be Darrell Revis, but how much does his development continue? Or were we seeing essentially peak Ambry Thomas at the end of the year last year?
1: I mean, if everybody stays healthy, who's the number two and how that rotation works will be interested because you have Mosley, you have Verrett, and you have Thomas. All three of those guys are not going to be getting playing time if everybody's healthy. Somebody will be the odd man out where he only gets, you know, maybe five plays a game. You know, you're not going to have a super crazy heavy rotation there. So it will be interesting to see what Verrett has left if he comes back and is healthy, how much Thomas has improved. And whether Mosley is the same. And, of course, whether all three can actually stay healthy.
0: I just want to know, like, are we ever going to reach a point where you say Jason Varet's last name correctly? <laughs> <Verrett>. <laughs> like It's been years, man.
1: <laughs> Come on. Well, you know what? I'm somebody that has his name mispronounced constantly. So get over it.
0: Wow. Who mispronounces
1: your name? And what do they say? uh, 11, uh, Levi. Yeah. A lot of people put, uh, in front because they've never heard, they've heard the number 11. They have not heard 11. Uh, and around here in Pittsburgh, uh, it's kind of, it's odd for me still. And probably always will be people know how to spell my name. I do not have to spell my name to people here, but they do not know how to pronounce it. And that's because one of the largest furniture stores around which was a local furniture chain that's still here was Levin furniture spelled identical to my first name
0: so a lot of people around here go Levin all right well at least that makes some sort of sense (laughs) but 11 is absurd like we can't just go adding letters to people's names that's (laughs) if I were you and somebody called me 11 I'd be like are you a stupid uh so side note here one of my favorite
1: joys and about the only thing i do on facebook anymore these days is when there's a social media post where somebody's selling something that it was a Levin furniture couch whatever they go bought this couch originally from levin's blah 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 or selling levin's furniture uh furniture chair or whatever i will post on there and go i don't know who this person is this is definitely not my couch beware and i freaking love doing it (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> oh, you are such a dad. That is such a dad thing to do. It's like, the, it's like the only time I get something good out of having a name like I have.
0: Thank God you are a better podcaster than you are <laughs> social media poster. Good Lord! All right, let's. T- I need a break after that story. Let me take a minute to compose myself. When we come back, we'll get to more non Lance storylines. I have a ton of stuff about a key. Area on the 49ers that I don't think is getting enough attention. Back here on the Gold Standard podcast, going through some non trade Lance training camp storylines that we are looking forward to. The next area I want to focus on, Levin, is a spot that I don't think is getting enough attention, and that's the offensive line. There are a ton of storylines on the offensive line because there are questions everywhere except left tackle. And I, I think we got to start right there to Trent Williams right with Aaron Banks. I don't want to see Aaron Banks struggle in training camp. Like, I think he needs to come right out of the gate and look great. Because don't forget, Kyle Shanahan said last year, well, towards the end of the year, he was ready to start. But we chose not to start him because we didn't want to mess with the winning streak. Like, okay, that's great. But that means Aaron Banks has got to look awesome right out of the gate this year because you've already said he's good enough to start.
1: I had it written down in my notebook as who can be counted on on the offensive line other than Trent Williams. And I think that's the way to put it. None of the other positions you know pretty much anything about. Brunskill might be swapping to center. Doesn't seem so at this point, but, you know, that, that was only OTAs where, uh, what what is it, Brundle was the center mostly. You know, Brunskill could be changing positions and it's not exactly like you could count on him before. He He's very much just a kind of like meh type uh right guard you know he's neither horrible nor good uh right tackle obviously is a massive question mark mclinchy what is he gonna have and if it's not him who is it and then like you mentioned the whole left guard situation to me for banks you said he has to come out of the gate and dominate well (laughs) i don't know which i would wish for because if he's dominating, that means Kinlaw is looking like garbage because that's who he's <laughs> going to be going against. And that, that was one of the things I had written down here was, what can Kinlaw do? Does he look like the dominant player that they expected when they drafted him? And if he is, how does that change how Armstead can be utilized? Does he have to slide inside nearly as much if Kinlaw is there? And I think those are tied together because if Kinlaw is dominating, it means that that left
0: guard is getting dominated. And vice versa. So that's like maybe not an iron sharpens iron situation, right? <laughs> that's potentially setting up to be, oh, we hear really good things about Aaron Banks or oh, we hear really good things about Javon Kinlaw. And then the regular season starts and, oh, it turns out neither one is very good. And all those stories ended up being completely wrong. So that, I, that's a good flag by you. Because, uh, you know, I'm always on the lookout for training camp hero stories. I hate the training camp hero stories because <laughs> they pop up every year, usually about a player that's been an underachiever in his career. And then all of a sudden he gets all this love. See Sherfield, comma Trent last season or Taylor comma Trent for like two years in a row. At least there's always one at least. And this could potentially be it either Aaron Banks or Javon Kinlaw. That's a good flag by you. All right. So other thing I have, and I think this is going to be. Hold on. I got more offensive line stuff. Oh, sorry. Well, then say it. Jeez. Quit just sitting there and doing nothing. (laughs) You mentioned it quickly, (laughs) but I think we should dive into it more. You jerk. The center spot. They had to have known that Alex Mack was going to retire for certainly longer than the rest of us did. And they chose to do really nothing. They didn't address it seriously during the actual draft. They didn't sign anybody. They they haven't made a move there. They're really selling you that Jake Brendel is going to be the guy. Like, I think that's you know, it's one thing to have to replace somebody. It's another when you know for a long period of time that you're going to have to replace somebody, and this is what you do. Because I don't think any 49er fan, if you just ask them on the street, if you were like, "Hey, is Jake Brendel going to be good enough starting center for you?" They'd be like, "Oh yeah, we're good." Like, I'm worried about that.
1: If this season goes sideways. It will be because the offensive line is not capable of doing anything. This offensive line could be good. It could also be the worst in the league. There are four out of five spots that you don't know what you're getting. And I think unlike previous seasons, if this season goes sideways, it will be because the offensive line and there will be massive criticism coming for John Lynch and Kyle Shanahan due to it, you know, in previous seasons, you've had kind of the injury excuse, but you, you you couldn't blame the moves that they made. You know what I mean? Going and getting Jimmy Garoppolo and giving him mm-hmm. the extension. You can't blame them for that. They had like the situation they're in. It was a great move to trade for him. And you had to give him that contract when you gave it to him. So I, I don't think there's been as much of an opportunity to criticize And now, I mean, we're far enough into this whole regime now that that there's no more excuses. You know, in the early on, you're rebuilding. Then it was, well, yeah, you lost your quarterback. I don't think there's any more excuses. And if that offensive line ends up destroying this offense, rightfully so, I would argue John Lynch will probably get fired. I, I don't or move on to broadcasting, whatever you want to call it. Somebody would have to be to blame for that. And I do think there is something to be said for this regime sometimes falling in love with the guys they have in house and thinking they're better than they are and not doing enough to look outside.
0: Yeah, I agree. I think that they clearly favor the known, for lack of a better term. I mean, I feel like honestly, they stuck with Jimmy Garoppolo for as long as they did, in part because they at least thought the devil you know is better than the devil you don't know until it got, I feel like it just got to a point where they were like, okay, we, we literally are up against the ceiling for as far as we can go with this guy. And only then were they willing to go into the unknown. And really, drafting somebody was not plan A. Their real hope was to trade for Matthew Stafford. So they still wanted to go more towards the known than diving into the unknown of the rookie pool. So I agree with you. I think that they, they're they a conservative when it comes to that, and they do favor their own guys, I think, much more than they should.
1: It even goes further than just sticking with jimmy garoppolo it's they flat out said this season that they overestimated jimmy garoppolo's value that they are surprised nobody came for him or the lack of market that he had i forget exactly how kyle shanahan said it but they were surprised basically that jimmy garoppolo was not able to be traded and that tells you how much they overvalue him like the rest of the league can see it the rest of the league will not have a bias towards him the rest of the league will take his wins with a grain of salt as they should. And they're going to evaluate whether it was really him winning the games or the team around him winning the games. And when you do that and you eliminate the bias in-house and all the leadership qualities that you hear about, because I don't think teams on the outside care nearly as much for those qualities, you can look at Carson Wentz trade history for that. (laughs) Uh, So I think a lot of the intangibles that you hear the Niners mention go out the window and evaluating him. And when you do that, you're looking at a very average quarterback who's expensive.
0: Even look at the backup quarterback situation, right? They stuck with CJ Beathard. They stuck right. with Nick Mullins. They're sticking with, with Nate Sudfeld this year. I think all of those are massive mistakes. Like to me, and I said this on previous shows, Tyrod Taylor was the guy to go out and get to back up Trey Lance. I really honestly thought that, but, Nope, they're sticking with Nate Sudfeld, just like they stuck with with Beathard and Mullins. And I think part of it is they just they feel like they know what they have there. And I don't necessarily think that's always the best choice, but this is the choice. This is the business they've chosen to quote the godfather. Jake Brendel is the guy that they are sticking with at center. We'll see if that works out. All right. What is your next training camp storyline you're looking forward to? Well, this one,
1: I think, could end up becoming the storyline of this season. I don't think it will be quite as big of a deal in training camp, but I think it will get some mention. Um, And that's everything to do with the running game. You know, I I have two different topics related to this, but I'll tie them in together. One is does any running back step up and to or step up to compliment Eli Mitchell? Because last season they didn't. Every single other running back was, I mean, I'll say it, they were hot garbage. Now, Wilson was coming back from injury. I don't think he was truly fully himself, but there's also a reason why he was the third and fourth string running back all these years. Uh, But does Sermon step up and become anything? You know what I mean? Like there's a lot of question marks there other than Eli Mitchell. And I do not see Eli Mitchell as a guy that can do, you know, 260, 270, you know, true bell cow type of carries. He needs a compliment. And I I just don't know if there's anything there. It's a big question mark. But the thing I'll tie into that is, how do things change, if at all? And do th- is there a drop-off due to the loss of Mike McDaniel? I think that's a huge storyline. Right. I think that you can tie those in together because it has to do with the run game. Mike McDaniel was the, you know, the orchestrator of the run game. That was his baby. Is there a drop-off there just in terms of play quality? Um and in general, the scheme of it? And if there is. This running game not being a dominant running game completely de- destroys how this offense has been set up in the past to be. Because it's been always has been a you run the ball to open the passing game. And if that's not possible because the run game struggles due to all the question marks with the running backs and the loss of McDaniel. And then it's going to be pretty much a you sure hope Trey Lance is special
0: <laughs> out of the uh, frying pan and into the fire for Trey Lance. No, uh, Joe Staley told us on this show that the Niners running game is like a jigsaw puzzle. Kyle Shanahan is the one that puts the puzzle together. But Mike McDaniel is the one that paints the picture on the puzzle and he's gone now. So there are fair questions about how this running game is going to be put together. And uh, to go back to your earlier point. I don't think Elijah Mitchell is anything special as a running back. I really don't. Like, I think 49er fans are like, oh yeah, we got this steal in the sixth round and he's so good. It's like, no, I don't think so. Like if, if they traded Elijah Mitchell tomorrow, I would be totally fine with it. I think they can do better than Elijah Mitchell. I think they think they can do better than Elijah Mitchell. There is a reason they drafted Ty Davis price in the third round this year. That tells you all you need to know, I think, about the confidence that this team has in Mitchell to number one, be the starting lead running back Belkow guy on a team, and number two, can stay healthy because Mitchell was banged up. I think he missed seven games last year. So I think the team is telling you what they think about Elijah Mitchell, and I think 49er fans need to wake up to the fact that this is not like, you know, Derrick Henry for the 49ers. It's just not the same thing.
1: No, he's a guy that has tremendous speed, tremendous potential on any run to break it but also has very inconsistent ball carrier vision we've talked about it there are a lot of players that if you go back and and you you look at the game pass angle where you're behind the line of scrimmage and you can truly see the running lanes which i think is by far the easiest thing to see when you use that angle you can see there were quite a few times where if he cut it back he has a 10 15 yard run easily but instead he just plows right ahead and gets one or two yards. There was a lot of yards left on the field. Now I'm not as low as you. I would be disappointed to see Mitchell traded because I don't have a ton of confidence what's behind him. Cause it's all unknown. Uh, but I don't expect him to be dominating. And that's why I, on a previous episode, I was willing to take him repeating what he did as a rookie, which was not, not getting a thousand yards rushing, getting just under that. But like, I'm not expecting a, 12, 1,300-yard runner. I'm not expecting him like a lot of fans think that we have finally found a true number one running back to replace Frank Gore.
0: And what you just described, by the way, the, hey, this is the running lanes. If you cut back, you'll get 10 to 15 more yards. That's the entire system. That is how it is designed to function. Like, there are some schemes where it's like, hey, here's the hole. Hit the hole as hard and fast as you can and then use your God-given skills to break tackles, and get as many yards as you can. The scheme tells you exactly where to go. That is not the running scheme that Kyle Shanahan uses. It's all about the running back's ability to see what he has in front of him and to adjust on the fly. So that's why I think there's probably a little bit of frustration from the 49ers because they're saying, hey, look, we're doing our part. We're providing you. We're blocking with the opportunities to cut back or the holes to go wherever you need to go you're not holding up your side of this to maximize our scheme. And that's why I think I would not be surprised at all. If the 49ers had a new leading rusher this year and if by the end of the year, we're looking more at Ty Davis price and even potentially a Trey sermon show. Honestly, I know that might sound like blasphemy right now. I do not think Elijah Mitchell's place is nearly as secure as some fans do.
1: Like I said, it's completely unknown behind him. So I, I would love to see a true kind of split carry. I want to see somebody step up. And I would love it if Mitchell has only like 150 carries this year. it mm-hmm. means somebody else stepped up and got the other 150 or, you know, whatever numbers you want to use. But I would love to see a true one-two punch. And it does need to be either Davis or Sermon, in my opinion, because they're the ones that offer something different. They're more of the power guys. And I want that one-two punch where you have a speed guy and then you have the power guy. And I think this offense needs it.
0: Did you have any other training camp storylines you're looking forward to? Because you had a bigger list than I did. I got one left. Okay. Who's the number two linebacker? Oh, it's got to be Aziz. It better be Aziz. Don't you think it should be?
1: I think that is a true competition going into camp. I think that is a position that nobody is has been given a one-up or an assumption that they are the guy and the other guy has to beat them out. I think it is a true coin flip. We're going into training camp. Whichever one of them looks the best is the one that's going to be getting that role first. I also think that they'll be very quick to pull the trigger on flip-flopping in the middle of a game if one of them is struggling, not taking good angles, whatever it is. But who ends up winning that position coming out of
0: of camp? First, I just want to say it fills me with warm feelings to think that even if Greenlaw or Aziz get hurt. The other one hopefully should still be there. That's a good spot to be in if you're the 49ers. They've got some depth there. But I think Aziz showed last year he's the better player. Greenlaw's not a bad player. He is not. But he is not a great player. I think Aziz is borderline great. Even when Warner was out, I really feel like he stepped up. He took the green dot. He was, you know, making the calls on defense. And I think the 49ers love that both of those guys are going to be free agents at the end of the year. So they're like, okay, show us what you got. You know, like that's a great motivator for both guys. Um, Greenlaw has been banged up in his career, man. hes I feel like he's not reliable to be out there all the time. To me, if you're talking to the best possible defense the 49ers can put out there, I want Aziz and Fred Warner at the linebacker spot for sure.
1: Greenlaw has speed, so don't get me wrong with this, but Aziz plays at a different Level of speed, you know, in a straight line. If the two were to run, I don't know who's winning that foot race. But in terms of actual game speed, Aziz has as much game speed as anybody. You know, there were times he was beating Fred Warner to it, and it was on Fred Warner's side. Aziz just he plays 100 speed all the time. He's not sitting and waiting and trying to read and figure out what's happening before making a choice. He he seems to have this strategy of I'm going to start sprinting and I trust that on the fly, I will see where things are going and get to the right spot. You know, he he just seems like he's always at full speed.
0: I think part of it is, and that's credit to Aziz, by the way, because this is a guy that suffered a torn ACL, you know, when he was coming into the league. Um, I think part of it honestly is that Aziz diagnoses things faster or maybe does what you're talking about, whereas Greenlaw doesn't. Greenlaw does not see the picture in front of him as fast as other linebackers on the team. And I think that may be what slows him down because I have seen him go out there and be everywhere in that Rams game at the end of the year. And even in the NFC title game, there were times where Drake Greenlaw was flying around, just laying fools out. So I think when he sees it and he trusts what he sees. He can be in the right spot, but he doesn't do that as consistently. Definitely, obviously, as Fred Warner. And I don't think he does it as consistently as Aziz Alshire does. To me, Al Shire is the better player. Um, but we'll we'll find out. I mean, I, I think that you're right that it is something to follow to see who the 49ers ultimately side with. Yeah,
1: I think it's just it's one of those that doesn't get mentioned because either way you're good. You know, it's not it's not a situation like Hufanga where oh, he better be good or you're screwed. It's, well, whichever one starts is really good, but the other one's right there behind him.
0: Well, I don't know what I was going to say there. Not going to lie. I had a thought, and then it flew Great out of my Great
1: podcasting. Head. This is awesome content.
0: Whew. All right. We're in the lull before training camp. Leave me alone. <laughs> no, I think you that- You still on vacation or what? I'm I'm coming out of it <laughs> slowly but surely. Uh, my oh, My whole family has COVID except for me. It's just been a ridiculous situation here. First of all, I'm amazed that I haven't gotten it somehow. And second of all, my wife and daughter have gotten it for the second time. My son has it. Luckily, everybody's doing okay. But it's just like a weird, my wife is sleeping on the couch. I'm sleeping in the bed upstairs by myself. It's a very weird scenario happening in the Guerrero house right now.
1: You heard it here. Rob makes his wife go to the couch when she's sick she likes it
0: <laughs> she likes sleeping on the couch she told me she slept great yeah because she's not sleeping next to you the, well that could be <laughs> the first time she had COVID, i slept on the couch so there you go jerk face trying to make me out to be a bad husband well, nobody knows what
1: you're doing over there in your little corner of nothingness of connecticut
0: all right, that's going to do it for this edition of the show. Uh, for people who are curious, the Shanna Plan is still happening this week. It's just going to come out tomorrow, a day later than normal, so it'll be out on Thursday. Just, I got a whole childcare situation happening. We had to switch some things around this week. But don't worry, you're still going to get your episode of the Shana Plan. Kyle and Akash are ready and loaded and excited to uh, talk to all of you, as they always are. Levin, I hope you have a great week. I get to go like an extra day now without talking to you. So that's kind of like, I feel like this is like the Thursday night game. And then now we have like the extra time to prepare for the next show.
1: Yeah. Except for you just
0: jinxed it. We're getting Jimmy news. (laughs) I think so. (laughs) I think that before, before July 10th, I think we have Jimmy news. You agree? I think the moment he proves he can throw, he's
1: gone. I would bet. I would bet they have a deal in place based upon him actually being healthy.
0: That is literally what Jason said yesterday. It's what I wrote up for Niners Nation. I agree with you. Because, like, everybody's had time to to yeah. do all of this. It's not like all of a sudden teams are waiting to see if Jimmy Garoppolo can throw 80 yards down the field. Like, we know what he is. This isn't like a rookie coming out. So, I agree. I think it's all it is is, is his arm still attached? Yes. Okay, good. We're, we're all set.
1: Uh, I'll put it this way. I think the holdup for Baker is Jimmy. Well, I think there is a team out there, probably Carolina, but I'm not going to say for sure because I don't have any inside sources. I think there's a team out there that said, well, if Jimmy has a setback, we would be interested in Baker. And so Cleveland is pumping the brakes and buying time. I don't
0: know if this is true, but it looked somebody was tweeting out yesterday that a Baker Mayfield Seahawks jersey had leaked to the Seahawks store and that you could click and order your Seahawks jersey. I'm literally looking at the picture of it right now. Um, and then all of a sudden they pulled it down. So yeah, I don't I think, know I, if I that's think it was true. Albert
1: Breer. I saw retweet that. I think it was same yesterday saying that it was fake. Now. Oh, okay. The NFL will say that anyways, this has happened in the past and it got denied. And then a week later it ended up being <laughs> true. So, you know, take that for what it's worth, but I don't think it's a coincidence that suddenly there's Baker news right when there's good news that jimmy can throw soon
0: yeah who does um albert Breer work for again yeah and yeah.
1: ne- oh, okay. i found
0: that i'm pretty sure it was him
1: i'm not 100 sure uh you know sometimes i'm just scrolling and i see that and i go oh and then i forget who the heck it was because i'll be honest sometimes i don't even look at the name next to it i only look at the name next to it if i need to know if i can trust what i'm reading so
0: yep levin black doesn't have anybody on twitter alert doesn't give any credits when he takes people's takes online. He always says, oh, I can't remember who it was, no, but. Yeah, yeah the, the
1: guy that tweets up people calling them out when they don't give credit to somebody when they steal stuff. Yeah, that's the guy that's also stealing stuff.
0: I don't steal anything.
1: No, I'm not talking about you. I'm just talking about on Twitter. I've gone after people because they like to post, they'll screenshot a photo or take and then edit out the name of who did it so that they can take credit for it. Yeah, hey, I can't stand that.
0: I can't either. Like, it takes two seconds to give somebody credit. No one is going to criticize. Oh, why didn't you come up with that idea? It's like, no, they're just grateful that you put that in front of them. It Just don't be an asshole. It's a pretty simple, like, philosophy here. I think we can all grow up a little bit. All right. Yeah, easier I, for some than others. Agreed. That's going to do it for this edition of the show. Please, please, please keep your ratings any reviews coming. Our star rating on Apple Podcasts is slowly but surely creeping up. Please keep them coming. Let's get that rating up. Like we always say, if you leave it, we read it. Have a good week, Levin. I will talk to you next Thursday.